You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God. Mind control. The last days. Higher dimensions. Unity. The power of faith. Discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with the End of All. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com and www.thefireplacechurch.org. I do want to make a brief comment that some of you notice a problem with the Fireplace Church this past Sunday, and you wrote us some emails saying, did, did the Fireplace Church change times? Is it now 8 p.m. and not 7 p.m.? No, it's still 7 p.m. There was a little bug, and we solved it. And so if anyone had any problems this past Sunday, you know, I want to just apologize. That was something that we couldn't quite foresee, but it's been solved. And so the Fireplace Church continues at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, both Friday nights and Sunday nights. And we want to invite you to come and make a friend. I'm really excited this week, by the time you're listening to this program, I'm already on my way to Tennessee. We're going to be having the Dimensions of Glory and Kingdom Warfare School in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Myself and Jeff Jansen, who so graciously invited me to his church, are going to be speaking at this, and we are expecting God to do awesome, awesome things. If you want to sign up and, and show up, you can sign up at www.globalfireministries.com, and you'll find it by navigating their site. It's real easy to find it, and you can sign up and participate and be present there for whatever God decides he wants to do. We're going to be talking about some really, really exciting things. Marrying the messages of dimensions and glory and kingdom and spiritual warfare. So who doesn't want that mix? And so anyway, with that said, we are in the midst of discipleship courses at Bride Ministries. We are having a great 
time. People are learning. People are growing. People are having revelation. Folks, if you're not part of this round of discipleship, make sure that you're on our mailing list and that you are prepared to jump in the next round. Why do Bride Ministries Discipleship? One, because you're going to grow in Christ. You're going to grow in your walk. Two, you're going to get tools that are going to help you to more effectively execute your walk with God, to win the battle against the devil. Three, you're going to meet some people and you're going to make connections. And four, it's going to be your gateway to volunteering with Bride, doing other things with Bride in the future. With the discipleship courses, that's how I and our staff are getting to know you And that's how we are able to open the door to you helping us into the future. Sometimes we get messages and emails saying, Daniel, I want to help. I want to do this. I would love to do that. I'd like to employ my skill set here or there. And beyond the actual limitations that we have, being that we have no building, no centrality, everything is completely decentralized, um, there is also the issue of knowing who people are. And we can't just partner with people that we have no dialogue with, nothing but some text and an email. And so if you want to connect with the ministry, obviously the Fireplace Church is there, but the discipleship groups is where we are going to see those of you that are actually taking a step of true, you know, commitment and, you know, uh, getting on board to make connections and giving us an opportunity to see you, hear you. So Bride Ministries Discipleship is there. We won't be having our next round of discipleship until 2017 because this current round is going to take us right into December and then we'll be taking some weeks off for uh, the holidays and then we'll be back in January. So with that said, uh, today we're going to have a really, really cool conversation with my executive assistant, Nikki Schneider. I just want to make a brief comment. There's a big day coming up, guys. November 8th. What happens? We vote for the next president. I'm going to say this. In all of my uh, work with survivors and everything, I I, I find, and also prayer and everything, I, I find that there are two candidates that have flaws. But one of these candidates has the full backing of the globalist agenda. And one of these candidates does not. And God is doing a shift, in my opinion, right now in this nation. So with that said, that's all I'm going to say for now. We're going to get into this program. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall.
folks, we are on Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall, and I'm telling you what, I'm really excited today because we're going to get another opportunity to speak with my executive assistant, Nikki Schneider. And, and let me tell you something about Nikki. You guys, this is what you call a true champion. She is um, not only doing an outstanding job for Bride Ministries as my executive assistant, but also continuing a healing journey as a survivor of satanic ritual abuse and, and government-sponsored mind control projects. And her story is incredible. As a matter of fact, we've done two installments of her information, and the response has been pretty much overwhelming. As a matter of fact, totally overwhelming. And before I even bring her on and say, hi, I want to just make this announcement Please, guys, be gentle with my executive assistant. Um, hundreds of emails came in in response to her first couple of programs, and she found herself being uh, pretty much inundated with uh, personal questions and uh, challenged in, in doing her job and responsibilities for Bride. And I know that we are going to be getting into a lot of things that hit real close to home, um, maybe are describing exactly what you're going through with what we're going to talk about today. Be gentle, please. But with that said, let me tell you something. Nikki, I am so excited to have you back on the program. Welcome to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Thank you, Daniel. It's nice to be here. Well, you know, it's, it's so nice to have you, Nikki. And I want to actually get started today talking about some of the phenomena that goes along with the conversation of being a survivor. And I'm going to share a brief story uh, that happened just the other weekend. I, I was actually at a doctor's office with one of the survivors that I work with. And I, I was talking with the doctor. And, and, and by the way, folks, I plan to have this specific individual on my program in the near future. So watch out for that interview. It's going to be really awesome. But I, I was standing there with, with the guy and, and we're talking and I was like, yeah, you know, by the way, when a survivor switches personalities, that, that means they drift between dissociated, uh, you know, personality states, which are soul fragments and sometimes soul and spirit fragments and or spirit fragments. Their blood type can actually shift along with eye color and even at times hair color and other physiological expressions. And he and, and, and he was actually doing a, a bit of a blood test. And so he said, oh, that's interesting. I never heard that before. And um, the, the, the person that was, you know, there, he, he knew that she was a survivor. So he took the blood and he had taken a blood sample from this person not too long before that, maybe a year ago or two years ago, and it was one blood type. So he actually had to document it as a medical doctor. This is her blood type. So as we're having this conversation, he takes the blood type and it comes back and it is literally a different blood type. And he's shocked. He's like, oh, wow, it's, it's different. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, of course. And and so he actually medically proved exactly what I've been talking about and what other people have observed, you know, in this arena of changing blood. This is medically proven stuff. And um, 
but but he did it like right there in front of us while we were watching. And and there's, you know, the evidence. Like, guys, you know, what we're talking about that survivors are going through that they express, we're not making this up. In the future, I know that we're going to see a lot more medical uh, evidence and proof of what we are doing. There's going to be a lot more heart uh, evidence that comes forth. Um, this is just the beginning. But, you know, uh, Nikki, uh, I was really excited to watch this happen right there in the doctor's office as as a medical doctor is proving the fact that blood types can change within a survivor. I didn't get into all the other things that I've seen change. But, you know, really, you were very excited when we talked about this. And um, you have seen different physiological expressions um, come out in your own life and in your own body. Um, and I wanted to let you talk a little bit about that. I mean, how has it played out that your body or physical expressions shift? Yeah, that is really neat. And by the way, I'm so excited for when um, you interview Dr. Duncan. That's going to be a real hit. Um, but yeah, um, I've noticed even before um, I knew, you know, fully or really understood that I had parts, which I would say I started this journey when I was 20 and I'm now 42. So I've been on it for 22 years. And so I was noticing it even then, uh, I was doing it about 20 or so, um, that um, I could be taller or shorter. And at that point, um, the person that I compared myself to the most was my mom. You know, I'd go to hug her and I'd be like, she might say, you're so short, like you're looking me eye to eye because I'm 5'8", my mom's like 5'5", five five, so I should never look her eye to eye. And um, I wouldn't have, you know, it wouldn't be like she'd have, you know, big boots on or something. I'd see her eye to eye. Other times she'd seem not only three inches shorter than me, but maybe even to my chin, which would be maybe like, you know, five inches shorter than me or more. And so I always laughed it off then, like, what's going on? Am I tall or am I short today? Um <laughs> But so that I've never actually taken and, you know, measured myself, um, you know, on the wall. But um, I absolutely notice a difference um, with the people in my life, um, whether I can look them eye to eye or how my height changes. And I can say it absolutely changes. Um, I, I don't think I've ever noticed more than like a two at the most three inch change. It's not like all of a sudden I'm, you know, six foot tall or something like that. Um, but I will say this, which is really interesting. Um, my vantage point has changed. There have been times where I felt so close to the floor, like I can see everything so close. Um, now, physically, my body didn't shrink that far, but I would say maybe my, you know, my viewpoint would be maybe from someone who was like four years old, you mm. know, where I can see the details on the floor, or usually I'm going for a walk and the sidewalk is super duper close, or I'm really tall and I feel like everything is really far away. Um, it reminds me of like, you know, Alice in Wonderland, you know, when she you know, drank the stuff and took the pill or however that worked. Um, and it's really interesting. So in, in, in those two instances, it wasn't where I um, actually, you know, necessarily physically changed, but my viewpoint can change. And so I think that's really interesting. People can, you know, notice that. And that can let you know maybe to take a look at yourself and go, hmm, who am I right now or what's going on? What is making me different? And sometimes in those times, 
um, it's a really good opportunity to find out what's really going on in your mind. You might hear um, someone that wants to share something, and so it's a, you know, it stands out so clearly. It's, it's kind of hard to miss. But yeah, so I have noticed myself literally being taller or shorter physically. Um, also, something else I've seen are scars that I don't normally have. And um, the first time this was apparent, like really apparent to me, is maybe two years ago. And I, you know, honestly, I was just sitting in the bathtub and I was shaving my legs, okay? And I saw these two big scars across my right calf and I'm going, you know, across. And they were probably about three and a half inches long. There were two of them and then another one going up my shin on my left-hand side. And I thought, well, maybe I was leaning on something before I got in the tub or, you know, it was an indentation. I actually took pictures because I had my phone in there if I listen to music, if I'm going to be sitting in the tub playing Pandora or something. Mm-hmm. And they were really deep. And um, they stayed there even after I got out of the shower. I mean, out of the tub, I paid attention. But by the next day or so, they were gone. But since then, and again, this has been a couple of years ago that this happened, they've come back and they're exactly the same. And so I know that I have not been, you know, leaning on something a particular way or like holding a book on my lap. Because, you know, we can leave little dents in our skin if we're holding something in a particular way. Um, but these exact same I call I, their scars have manifested and come back periodically for whatever reason. I'll see them on my legs. Um, I've seen them on my arms. Um, and sometimes I take pictures of them. Lately I have now that I really realize what they are. And I'm like, wow, that was a good one. Um, I just recently saw this big one on my thigh and um, that I have never seen before. And this one was white. Um, so it wasn't raised. It was you know, long since healed. Um, but I think that's really interesting. This particular thing I have not had happen to me, but I've heard people share about um, how, um, you know, like maybe they're having a memory and they will see, um, you know, like maybe rope burns on their wrist that will manifest and they're having a memory about how they were tied up and then it goes away. And so it's so interesting how much... Um, you know, the mind and the memory affects your body. And, you know, our body remembers, okay? Our body holds memory. And our body doesn't lie Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. to us in terms of that. Our bodies will tell us things that our mind cannot (laughs) um, or won't tell us, you know? Uh, So, yeah, scars too. It's very interesting. Well, you know, and this is really interesting because now I'm going to go somewhere. But first, there is a, a, a couple terms that help put this into context of, you know, maybe a psychological conversation. Derealization is a term that means that your surroundings or perception of reality no longer feels like reality. It's, Mm. there's a actual term um, for that phenomenon. It's called derealization. There's another one uh, known as depersonalization where you are navigating life no longer feeling like you are yourself. Um, both of these point to the presence of deeper issues. Often a person that experiences this, like Nikki just described, will find that they may have dissociative identity disorder and that they actually do have alters that they will then subsequently meet once they begin working with a coach that, that pushes them towards 
true wholeness and healing in Christ Jesus. And your descriptions, Nikki, are so spot on. And, and of course, they are because you're telling people exactly what you've experienced in life. Um, the, the truth is, though, that the, the body doesn't lie. And mm-hmm. things like body memories, um, another term that can be used for that is affect, uh, they help us or survivors to connect with truth. Because sometimes memories can be so crazy and off the wall, it's, it's just not possible to connect with it unless the body is doing things that have no other explanation. Um, now, there was a time recently, Nikki, where we were praying about nanotech. And I, I know that this is uh, a little bit out there for some of you that are listening, but maybe not all of you, if you listen to this program long enough, you know that we figured out that they're using nanotech in mind control, for sure. And, you know, in just a brief explanation, nanotech is any kind of machine um, that, that operates on a very, very small microscopic level. Um on, on the size of like elements and, 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 and molecules. Anyway, uh, we did some prayers against nanotech, Nikki, and your body, you had a bit of a response as well as uh, you were seeing some things going on. Oh, can, can you talk about that just for a minute? Yes, and if I'm remembering correctly, Daniel, because we had a couple instances. When we were praying this last week, I had that pain in my ear but I think you're more referencing what happened maybe a handful of weeks, so maybe a month ago, like with my teeth and yes. seeing all that stuff coming out. Oh, that was so disgusting. Um, there's a phrase for it. I don't know what it is, but um, my mom, my sister, um, and I, we all suffer from the same thing. There's a particular phrase or a particular patterns completely freak you out. So this is so gross. But anyway, we were, do you remember the lead into how it happened, Daniel? Or do you want me to tell you what I saw? Do you remember what led into me seeing it? We were, um, hmm. I if you don't, don't know, it's I, I actually, I, I actually okay. don't at the moment remember exactly what we that's were okay. dealing with, but I may be able to, um, it's okay. remember the in a picture, second. Mm-hmm. The picture is good enough. Okay. So I saw all of this stuff um just pouring out of my gums and out of my teeth it was like these tiny little chips that kind of looked like microchips um they were really really like small um you know maybe half the size of my pinky which i know microchips come much much smaller than that certainly nanotech is smaller than that but when we were working on that i saw spiritually this stuff coming out of me that had been you know, spiritually put there. And it was literally just pouring out of my gums, just oozing out like, you know, like like you think of like a popcorn hall. If you ever had that, you're eating popcorn, ow, and you push on your gums and it comes out. It was like that. It was the most disgusting, like, visual ever, and I could not shake it. It was pouring out of my teeth, out of my gums, and my whole body, like one half of it became uh, digital, which I found that picture online, Daniel. I sent it to you, and so maybe... Um, I will send this picture along so maybe when this interview gets on YouTube that picture can be put on because it really did show very well what experience. But I saw half of my body was like a digital image and the other half of me was myself. Um, But yeah, uh, the Lord did a big deliverance 
um, with that, with all that pouring out, that was really nasty. And then just um, when we were praying this week, um, I was, um, what would be the right language for that, Daniel? I was I was renouncing things I was holding on to, but what would you call that? Yeah, or, I, 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 would, I would call it just basic confession, repentance, and renunciation. Yeah, so I was, uh, yeah, that's what I was doing, and... I had a, started getting, well, I did get some pain in the top uh, right crown area at the back of my head on the right-hand side, but also I got very severe pain in my left ear, like someone was sticking an ice pick in there. I don't remember what particular thing we were praying about, but um, I really felt that there was some sort of um, implant there, uh, most likely like a spiritual-type implant because nothing physically came out. But um, you were praying for a release of that, and I I felt free. Like when it came out, it's hard to explain. It was like um, I literally felt like a hole was there. Um, I felt more empty, even though it was tiny. It was an empty feeling, but a free feeling. Um, so I knew that was the validation that it was true. Um, and so some sort of hook that the enemy had put in was released, and so. I will just say that these things are so important, and although implants are real, like literal physical implants that people put in, so are all the spiritual ones, and when those are released, oh my goodness, the past two weeks for me have been so much better, and it was reaching the point, I just have to be honest, where I was like dreading my uh, counseling with Daniel, and you guys probably think I'm crazy because his list is like eight miles long. And if anyone ever heard, you mean you didn't want to meet with Daniel? I was like, hmm, maybe I fell down the stairs. Maybe I've got double pneumonia. I mean, anything I could do to get out of this, I'm like, oh. And um, But God is good. And usually when there's a resistance, um, God really has something he wants to do. And these past two weeks have been so freeing for me. And these renunciation prayers that Daniel has been doing with me, um, which is something new. I don't know if you want to get into it, Daniel. I don't know how many other people you've done these ones with. Maybe you'd do this with everybody. But just, I don't know, specific things I've been hanging on to and letting them go. I have felt so free. I've noticed sins in my life that I've had have been gone that I didn't think would leave. And they weren't even necessarily attached to the things that... You know, I was renouncing, but I noticed, gee, I don't have a hankering for this right now, or I'm not feeling inclined to, you know, move in this direction. And um, I'm like, boy, that's been ever since we prayed these prayers. So, boy, I'll tell you what, I want to encourage people to really go through the um, breaking off the attachment with principalities and things, because it's amazing what a difference this is making in my life. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Um... We'll just back up for a minute because I did remember what we were dealing with. And when we were dealing with the nanotech, that actually happened in response to a severing that we were doing with what's known as the draconian bloodline. Oh, yeah. Okay. And of course, a lot of people are going to hear me say that and think, oh, that's science fiction. Well, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's science fiction until... You sit there and pray with someone and have them tell you, I feel like half a digital being. I have nanotech pouring out of my teeth. And by the way, I'm set free 
in Jesus' name. Right. And then you can, you know, begin to rethink your opinions. Well, that's what happened there. Really fascinating. Um, On the the thing that you just mentioned, um, this is really, really important. And and folks, for those of you that are listening, there, there is a website we often point people to for just basic deliverance. It's called delmin.org. But when I'm going through, you know, what I call DID coaching with people, I will often take them when it comes to specific areas of bondage or sin at the surface level that's not highly complex and interwoven into all kind of spiritual constructs and other dimensions and realms and stuff, just basic stuff. Uh, a, a pattern of confession, repentance, and renunciation. And that comes beginning in 1 John, uh, because it says, If we say we have no sin, this is verse 8, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So confession is basically making a, a, a legal statement. I admit that this was done, this is present, I acknowledge that lust is there, or pride is there, or uh, fear is there. It's, it's, it's a legal acknowledgement and admission of fault. And then we move on, and the Bible says uh, in 2 Corinthians 7.10, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Um, Romans 2 4 says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? R- repent means to change your thinking. In other words, it's a 180 degree turn. It's, well, I was going this way, but now I am choosing in the power of Jesus Christ to go that way. So I was going towards pride, but now I'm choosing humility. I am repenting of pride. So it's confession, it's repentance, and then it's renunciation. And renunciation means to break agreement. Um, and that comes from 2 Corinthians 4, 2, which says, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And so there's a renunciation, it means break agreement. So if we confess then we repent, and then we renounce. That breaks the legalities of whatever that sin or that bondage or that stronghold is. And then the next step is saying simply this. After you confess, repent, and renounce in Jesus' name, you kick the demons out that were operating in that area because of what was there. So pride was there. Now there's this activity around your life, d- demons throwing fiery arrows at you, destroying relationships, you know, pride goeth before fall, so you keep falling down. And then you come and you say, well, I lay down to pride, I confess, I, I, I repent, I renounce. Then you say, okay, in the name of Jesus, I discover and bind all of the demons that have been at work in and around my life through pride. Because they don't have anything left to cling to, they are just going to hang around until they're forced to leave. And that's one of the things people really miss with getting free is they'll, you know, confess something, they'll repent of something, they'll renounce something, but they never actually deal with whatever spirits may have been persecuting them because of the presence of those things. And if, you know, 
you, you have a robber in your house and you say, hey, you're caught. And the robber's just standing there and then you just go on, go in your bed and just lay down. Like the robber has not been told to leave. They've just been stopped. So you have to tell the, the crook to leave. So, so you say, I, I discover and bind all of the demons that have been working through pride and I command them to be thrust out of me to where the true Lord Jesus Christ sends them. And, 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 and a huge deliverance happens. It's very simple and, and it, it's, it works very well. And those of you that are listening to this program, you can take this one to the bank. I mean, this is a proven, effective way to get free of a lot of things and uh, to clean yourself up. So, yeah, amen. I, I've noticed an improvement in my prayer life. Like, um, you know, for example, praying the evening prayer, you know, I was doing that for a while just because, you know, it felt like the right thing to do. And so I would do it. Um, now I feel more um, attached. Um, I got to tell you, for the past, oh, I don't know, couple months, time goes so fast, I'll say, oh, it's a few weeks. I'll have a friend say, no, you've been this way for three months. I'm like, oh, because time just tends to run together. But I was feeling like, um, you know, you hear about one of these rescues that happened in this house where this person is hoarding all of these animals and they've got like 50 dogs in a one-room apartment. I felt like one of those dogs that was completely flea-ridden and just going crazy and I wasn't having a lot of peace. I was inundated with just um, trouble, anger, um, inability to focus, anger at God, where I was going, am I even really a Christian? I mean, I understand you're only a Christian. Are you sure I am? You know, because I was doubting I was a Christian. Um, just all kinds of stuff. And I knew that I was being tormented. But when you're right in the middle of it, it is really kind of hard to see yourself free of it without having someone around you who knows you has some grounding in the Lord and can speak truth to you. And after we've been praying these prayers, oh my goodness, I cannot tell you how much better I'm feeling. I'm able to see the Lord, hear the Lord. I'm having some joy. I am happy. I have been happy for two weeks, which is a really big deal for me. <laughs> two <laughs> weeks of happiness. Let me tell you people, it's a good thing. And for all of you others out there who are struggling in this world, you know how that can be. So I will take it, and um, I'm just, you know, really grateful. I want to continue on this course. Well, and, and, and walking out into the subject of struggles, look, I, I actually believe in survivors and in God's work of, of redeeming the lives of survivors. I, I, I know ministers that are really afraid. Uh, the moment they find out a person has been subjected to any kind of satanic ritual stuff, any uh, higher cult level stuff extending into uh, things like, you know, Rosicrucianism or Knights of Malta, or any, like, you know, the children of people that were involved in these kinds of things or people just trying to get free. There's a lot of fear because, mm -hmm. the, the, well, it's a lack of equipping. People are not equipped to help people get free. And um, th there's a certain... Mm, the idea that if you just ban these kinds of people from any kind of fellowship or ministry, you can just keep things safe. Um, I do believe in keeping things safe. And for survivors that are wanting to heal, there, there has to be certain parameters set up to protect them from survivors that do not want to heal, but want to simply drag others down, which is a different conversation. But I'll tell you what, 
um, Nikki, who is a survivor, is contributing hugely to what God is doing through Bride Ministries. Um, other survivors that uh, have been on this program, um, that answer emails, that host their own blogs have contributed hugely. Sometimes I have people, and I, I just need to say this, that come to a realization of what they've been through. They, maybe they were sold out to some power of darkness in the heavens or some kind of evil being. and They have their first memory of being involved in a ritual and they think, how can God use me? How can I have any value to Jesus? How? And, and, and the answer is, you have just as much value now that you know the truth about your life as you did before you knew the truth of your life. And if God brought you this far, he did so because he intends to bring you to the finish line of the journey. Um, so Brian Ministries, we make a place for survivors. And, you know, Nikki, I, I, I want to let you talk a little bit about uh, being a survivor. And, and actually, I want to get on this. Um, personal doubts about relevance to the work of Jesus or the ability to be used by God or have the love of God. Um, what has that journey been like for you? Oh, boy, that is very challenging. You know, uh, just speaking for myself, I mean, in my life, I have struggled with uh, substance abuse. Um, I, in particular, um, it's been really easy for me to um, have, you know, certain medications available to me because I do have legitimate physical ailments um, that are, you know, pretty bad that, you know, no doctor would deny you medication for. But I have found at points in my life that um, emotional pain is much worse than physical. And I've had some physical pain that could put me on the ground. Um, but even in those times where I'm on the ground uh, physically, um, I have found that um, to be easier to deal with than being on the ground emotionally and mentally. And so um, it is really challenging, um, I think, not only just for survivors. You know, it doesn't have to be the, you know, the most severe trauma. You don't have to be a ritual abuse survivor or you know, mind control. You could have abandonment in your life. You could have had some severe losses. Maybe you lost a child or you know, you're lonely or you know, maybe you, have, you, know, you were in an abusive relationship uh, with a spouse or something. And um, just the emotional pain is so hard that, um, you know, substances can really take the edge off of anxiety, emotional pain, um, different things. And it's a trap that can easily uh, be fallen into. And I just want to give people hope. First, I want to let you know that the Lord knows your heart. That's number one. Um, people can look at the outside, um, but the Lord looks at the inside. Now, there are repercussions to our actions. I mean, if someone is, um, you know, abusing a, a substance, whether it's, you know, something that they have been prescribed or they're coming about it illegally, um, you know, it can cause you to fail in your relationships. It can cause you to, you know, perhaps have a DUI. So there's lots of repercussions that can happen. But I want to say to people who are struggling that way, know that the Lord loves you and he wants to heal that pain underneath of it. And um, with the power of your own will, I have done this myself, um, with the power of my own will, because um, I can be a rather strong-willed person, you know, in the past, um, I may have said, okay, I, I, I'm no longer going to do this particular thing and put it away. Um, but 
if the underlying root is not dealt with, you'll find something else to cover it with. So maybe someone says, well, you know, um, I no longer drink, but maybe now they gamble or maybe they spend too much or maybe they get involved in, you know, illicit sexual activity. Or maybe they're just a workaholic and they go, well, this is a really good thing. I mean, I'm working hard and I'm paying off my bills, but maybe they're neglecting their family. And so they're actually doing a lot of damage to their children or their spouse because um, those people that they love are feeling devalued because they're finding that this person values their job more than them. And so it's really important. Not God isn't as concerned with the behavior as he is with the root of the behavior. So it's important to get the behavior under control, but um, controlling the behavior is only going to get you so far. You want to fix what causes you to want to hide in that behavior. So I want to say that to everyone, and I want to say have a great deal of compassion for people who struggle with addiction. Um, also, um, Daniel, I did have some other things I wanted to say on that. Can you ask me your question again? Because I kind of right. got off well, on that for a minute. No, and, and, and that's okay because um, we've actually been getting a lot of emails about addiction and uh, struggles with addiction and how how can over addiction be overcome? And, um, you know, I just want to uh, say that on a, on a case-by-case basis, that can look different for different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I encourage people to do is learn about grace because grace is much more than um, unmerited favor. And that's where a lot of the church has missed it. They, they've said grace is unmerited favor and it's an excuse for sin. And so they just kind of park there or they say, well, grace is unmerited favor and there is zero tolerance for sin. So let's move into behavior modification, which really only covers up root issues and and forces people into the camp of just let's just be fake Christians. Um, You know, with addiction, I found one of the greatest ways to uh, get over that initial hump is to trust in the grace of God, which is also God's ability and unmer- and uh, of course it's unmerited favor, but it's divine influence upon the heart and the finished work of Jesus Christ. And when grace is applied as a tool, it is applying the ability of God to break free from the thing that's trapped you. And we have a whole course at Bride Ministries, Discipleship on Grace, eight weeks, um, that really takes you through this so that there's a full revelation on how this becomes a tool in the tool belt of, of the believer. Also, doing rep- confession, repentance, renunciation, and then the binding and driving out of any demons around that issue is another step that I would advise anyone to take that's struggling with addiction. And then there is walking it out and trusting God to um, feed you with willpower and strength for the journey once you, you know, truly choose to begin to move away from that. And um, in addition to that, you know, this is basic accountability is, is essential, really important. Of course, there are like 12-step programs that have helped a lot of people. And um, I, I would encourage people that are, you know, overcoming like alcoholism or whatever. Uh, you could start there if that's what's available to you in your area because, you know, um, one step at a time, God will have a path paved for us if we truly want to be free. And, um, of course, if issues go deeper than that and it's related to uh, other realms, timelines, and dimensions, like we deal with some of the survivors, then, you know, 
we have to get into some DID coaching and, and go deeper. But, you know, I, I, I'm really glad you brought that up, Nikki, because addiction is something that a lot of people are trying to overcome. And when I was asking you the original question, I had, I had asked you about struggling with love and with acceptance and, and with value in the eyes of God and what mm. it's been like to take that journey, you know, from where you've been, different places that you found yourself during your journey with Jesus, um, you know, maybe a little bit of where you're at now, but how that is a real struggle for survivors to see that they have any value to God because of what they were subjected to. Yeah, that's good, Daniel. Yeah, and that's, boy, there are so many tentacles um, off of that one that, um, you know, expand out. Um, you know, that can be, you know, just things that you've done, um, whether it's things that um, maybe someone forced you to do or maybe just things that um, you've done in your life just because, you know, your lifestyle was so crazy by what was forced on you. You allowed things into your life. It's hard to be forgiven, to forgive yourself, let me put it to you that way. And, um, you know, when you say confession, Daniel, that's really important. And that's something I'd really like to more in the church is where people can feel safe enough to come up and talk to people about their problems and say, you know what, I really, I did this in my life or this happened to me. And there's a lot of people who, um, you know, blame themselves for the abuse that happened to them and they feel dirty. Um, and um, we need safe people to talk to who can tell us the truth about who we are. And um, the devil loves to hold that over your head. Um, not only things that happened, but things that you did. Another thing for people who are survivors is it can really mess around with your identity. So, you know, you could be, um, I mean, I know for me, I have male parts and female parts. And so, you know, it's strange. You could say, well, how do you feel male? I mean, I can say for myself that um, there are times where I feel like my shoulders are more broad. I feel like a man. That's really weird. You don't really confess that to, you know, many people. Um, some of, um, I don't, you know, I don't really know how many parts I have, you know, cause it, it's really kind of undefined. I don't really have people coming out saying my name is so-and-so, but you know, I have parts who are asexual. I mean, they just aren't interested in anybody for any reason. Um, I have, you know, let's say a male part who could be attracted to women. You say, oh gosh, you feel like, well, God, you know, he's not going to approve of that. What are you going to do? Even if you're not acting out on that, you would feel maybe bad and dirty because of that. Um, I actually have a part who is male and he is a uh, transsexual, which is, I might not be using the right word, a transsexual, transvestite. To be honest, I don't have that defined well in my mind. But what the deal is, is he's a young, uh, you know, he's a teenage boy and um he was abused uh by men and he um was forced to dress like a female so there's a lot of confusion there because you know i am a female um, but he's male and he's dressed like a female um he's attracted to males that's very confusing and i'll tell you there was a lot of strong um suicide um attached to him because I mean, there were plenty of verses that he found that, um, you know, could condemn him. And um, thankfully, 
you know, I had a really good friend and uh, my roommate Sally. He was the first person, or she was the first person that he ever talked to that um, said, you know, God loves you. And there was a lot of pain that came out with that. Um, so, you know, that's hard. Um, and I mean, you're, you're really nailing it here, Nikki, because there's a lot of shame that people will have about the issues that they realize their parts have. And there's not a lot of room for honesty. Um, and, and, and it can really create some, some major problems, you know. What you said about people being able to um, just be honest about what they're going through uh, in, in the context of the body of Christ is is huge. Not too long ago, I mean, just to give listeners an idea of you know how we foster this kind of environment, I am sitting down with somebody and I am talking to someone else besides the presenter that is the person that you know, you would meet on a day-to-day -day basis. I have another part up, much, much, much darker. And I say, well, what's your favorite color? Black. What's your favorite food? Live animals. Whoa. Mm. The, the reality is, I, I doubt that's their favorite food, but their identity has been totally assaulted. Um, and... The, the person I'm talking to has to figure out, well, what am I going to do with this darkness on the inside of me? Um, God absolutely has to hate me because this okay. is there. Well, here's a revelation. Uh, God told me the way it works is that there is not a human part of a person, any person, that is a child of God. Or, or not really, just human. We're just talking about humankind. There's not a part of any person that God does not love, no matter how dark or evil they happen to be or what they've done. It, the, the love of God is there for them. And this is a huge hurdle that, that, that uh, people have because they think that because there's darkness there, God doesn't love that part. There's no hope for that part of them. And then, therefore, if that part gains any kind of ascendancy, there's no hope for them. A lot of entanglements. But man, oh man, let me tell you, there is not a part of you that God does not love. Now, if there are demons attached to parts of you, God may not have love for the demons or any of the other stuff that's in there, which gets pretty strange, like nanotech. But the human parts, there's love. And, and the mystery is, and, and this is for those that are listening to this program, if God can love every part of you with the love of God, you can love every part of you. And when an atmosphere of love is generated within a person that's dissociated, it's a trampoline, a springboard to accelerated healing. Anyway. Oh, no, that's so good, Daniel. I'm glad you said that, and um, that helped me kind of gather some thoughts. That's admit that I've been a little bit scattered. I feel like this interview is really important, and what we talked about beforehand, some of the things we were going to discuss, I think is so critical that I almost feel like there's an attack against my mind to keep me from being able to articulate myself well because there's so much to be said. But what you just said was really good because um, if we hate ourselves, 
we're not going to receive healing. And also, we can cause diseases to come onto ourselves. I know, I'll just use myself for example, a lot of my problems are female-based. I have um, endometriosis, fibroids. Um, I have interstitial cystitis, which is a bladder problem, which I know men can have interstitial cystitis too, although it tends to, women tend to have this more. So basically all, and I have pudendal neuropathy, all of my stuff is in the pelvic region. And it has to do a lot with um, resenting my femininity, um, being angry um, about uh, feeling vulnerable with my gender, um, just whatever it is, there's been an attack because, um, you know, I have been uh, felt that, you know, it was my it was my gender that left me vulnerable. I guess not saying that I want to be a man, but I'm just saying there's a lot of internal like self hatred things that I've taken onto myself, and I really believe that's why these diseases have manifested in their pain disorders, and I struggle with them terribly. Which that's another thing I'm excited about, uh, Daniel, with Dr. Duncan is going to be a really exciting I've, again I'm looking forward to you doing the interview and the work you guys are going to do I think that's going to bring a lot of freedom but you know if I do not accept myself even the parts of me who maybe don't look pretty and who maybe have ideas that differ from what I know is true in the word I'm just not going to get healing I need to be able to say to myself you know so and so I understand that you have this feeling and maybe you hate God or maybe you have this inclination or whatever it is I need to accept and say you are okay with me I love you God loves you and um, that is the springboard for healing otherwise everything's going to stay repressed and as long as you don't have those trauma things dealt with you're never going to get better now you don't need to remember every single thing that happened I mean that could take eternity and God doesn't require us to you know, live out every awful thing, but you have to have somewhat of a general, you know, storyline. And if you find, like, let's say the the part of me that I know is the male, you know, transvestite or transsexual, I, to be honest, I don't know enough to know the difference. So sorry about that, but I, I don't know. But whatever his, his thing is, I've learned to accept him now. I don't fully know his story. But if I would just say, oh, my gosh, that goes against everything that God says, I can't have anything to do with that, you know, and I push that away, then um, that's going to keep a part of me at bay. It's going to keep a part of me unwhole. And I look at myself in my life and I say, okay, I don't really know what percent of myself I'm living from, but let's just say I'm living from 25% of myself because I am – pretty fatigued. I am tired a lot, okay? I, if I could, I could probably sleep for 16 hours a day if I let myself. Um, so you think about living a full life at 25% is hard. Um, so if I find that, let's say, 10% is this young man that I'm denying, I keep him over there, and, and I also don't like the person who has murderous rage, but that's against God, and whenever I you know, sort of kind of go in that direction. All I think about is like, you know, hurting people or hurting animals or whatever it might be. I have to reject that because that's a terrible feeling and I feel wicked and evil and and how can I even pray and how can God hear me if I'm feeling like that? And so I compartmentalize all this stuff and it's like, I'm going to be stuck at 25% my whole life, but if I can accept these parts, now I'm 35%, now I'm 40, now I'm 50. And as I heal with that and integrate that into my person, I become a stronger self. 
And so it's a lie of the enemy to say, keep that away because God's not going to love you. Um, or others aren't going to love you, which unfortunately that's the truth. And if I can really say something about that here, let's try to love one another and accept one another. It doesn't mean that we have to have an everything goes mentality and say, do whatever you want. It's all good. Like Daniel said, like sloppy grace. We can't have that. But we have to be gracious to one another and trust God for our brothers and sisters to lead them and to pray for one another. But if someone shares with us, you know, this is what my struggle is, say, okay, brother or sister, I love you. Let's pray together. I'm going to stand with you. Because when they can accept themselves, they don't even have to be a survivor, and they can bring that back into them, they become a stronger whole. And my goal is to be 100% because I'm thinking, man, I mean, I have some gifts and I have some things that I'm good at, and I'm only at whatever percentage I'm at, which hopefully is more than 25. I don't know. Sometimes it feels like 10%. But if I'm living at 100% and I have accepted myself and I have received healing in all of my areas, what could I not do for the Lord? So self-acceptance is really important. You know, oftentimes when I'm working with somebody, I will have them meet a part, and when they meet the part, initially the part is maybe standoffish, it may be kind of mean, um, or it, it may just be really, really wounded and hurt and sad. And I will often have the person do this exercise. I will tell them to look at that, which, which is themselves. It's a dissociated part of their original creation, what God created them to be. And they, they basically are breaking the root of self-rejection, self-hatred. Uh, and, and I tell them, look at that part and tell them, so-and-so, whatever part it is, little boy, little girl, maybe in general terms, I love you, little boy, little girl. I accept you. And little boy, little girl, I want to thank you for what you did for me. Um, many times, uh, and not in all cases, but it, this is this is kind of circumstance specific. Many times, the dissociated parts of a person are doing things that they think they're supposed to be doing. Like they think that by making the person cut themselves, they're helping alleviate their stress or something like that. And it's really self-harm. It's destructive. But the part doesn't know that. They, they, they can't connect that what they're doing is actually wrong or bad. They're just doing what they were told to do or what they think they're supposed to do. And when they're acknowledged for the job that they have done, whether it was right or wrong, what they were actually doing, it opens them up and they feel acknowledged, they feel accepted, they feel like they um, have a safe place. And once they feel safe, that, that is very, very easy to work with. Any part that feels safe with the person that's talking to them or dialoguing with them is much more... Uh, cooperative and so let's just take and I want to let you talk a little bit about self-harm too Nikki because this is a real hot button topic for for survivors is this desire for self-harm you know let's say I'm talking to a person that has a self-harm part and it's because they think that they're helping the person to alleviate stress and I say you know tell them that you're thankful for what they did well I can't thank them for what they did they've been like doing this horrible thing I'm like no tr trust me 
thank you for what you've done for me. Or, thank you for, you know, what you did for me trying to help. And the part, it just like feels, like, oh, wow, I can't believe you just said that to me. And then I'm able to begin to dialogue and, and say, hey, listen, I know that you thought that you were helping them to alleviate stress by doing this. But this isn't what Jesus would want you to do to help them to alleviate stress. Do you want to help them to alleviate stress? Yeah. Okay. How about we give you a different job? How about we help connect you to Jesus who will empower you to alleviate stress in a different way? Okay. And that becomes an immediate breakthrough. And suddenly, self-harm goes down from like 90% to 20%. In, in like two minutes because the dissociated part of the person that thought they were doing a good job by doing that has been ministered to. Now, I'm just giving a little bit of anecdote. Nikki, I want to let you talk a little bit about self-harm from the survivor's perspective and, you know, some of what this has looked like, you know, as you've journeyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good one, Daniel. It can come from so many different angles. Like there can be someone who um, may be, programmed to uh, self-harm and it might even be just a fragment and not even like a full like fully developed you know personality but um, maybe you know that's more of like a booby trap so if some particular thing gets discussed or some area gets touched on um, this fragment or you know program or maybe even a part will come out and hurt that person Um, and um, so there's that aspect that's kind of gets dealt with in a, in a different way because that's sort of like just there's sometimes there's no even reasoning with that that just straight up needs to be you know like delivered um, yes I I know for me personally um, I can remember when I first started my journey in my 20s and like I said I've been on this for it's been 20 years now um, I had some friends who hurt themselves and I never understood it and um, I had a friend who was suicidal pretty much all the time and um, which I want to share an amazing story about that, which is really awesome. I think people will appreciate. But um, I never understood it. I thought, gosh, how can she be so suicidal all the time and hurt herself? I, I didn't get that. Well, now I get it. I'm like, okay, now I get it fully. But before I say that, I want to share a really, really amazing story. And this is something that happened to my friend PJ, who was my dearest friend. Um, she just passed away about three weeks ago. Um, we've been friends for 20 years. She was the first survivor friend I had. And um, my 20s were just an absolute nightmare. And they were a nightmare for her, too. And we kind of went through our nightmare together. But anyway, she was someone who never, you know, if she said she was going to kill herself, she wasn't messing around. So it was always really scary if she threatened. But anyway, she was from Canada. She would go to Toronto, and she would sit in this one particular park. And um, and I do want to say, praise the Lord, she had received a lot of healing and self-harm and suicide was no longer an issue for her. But at this point in her life, it was. And so maybe about 10 years ago, she was sitting in this park in Toronto. And um, she would look at this one particular tree and she'd say, one day I'm going to hang from that tree. Okay. And like I said, my friend was not someone who messed around. Um, she had many suicide attempts, and they were pretty scary. But anyway, and this is a big park, so there's lots of trees, but she picked this one. It was a really big tree, and she would just sit there, I'm going to hang from that tree. One day she um, met her counselor in the um, park, and they decided to kind of sit there and do counseling. 
and um, she looked at her counselor, and she said, you know what, that tree right there, I'm going to hang from that tree one day. And then next thing she knows, she hears this beep, 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 looking around, beep, beep, this big, huge truck starts backing into the park, beep, beep, you know, it's backing up, and you know, I mean, it's and it's not even on a driveway. It's just driving over the grass, kind of wending its way through here, winding its way through. And it comes up. These men get out. They have this big, huge chainsaw. And they cut this tree down. And they cut the tree and it falls down. They tie this chain around it, and they drag it out. Beep, 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 and pull it out of the park. It was a healthy, huge tree. This park is full of hundred trees. Toronto's a huge city. This is a huge park. There was nothing wrong with that tree. And she laughed. It was like God said, no, you don't. They could have cut down any tree in the park. There was nothing wrong with that tree. But that was a declaration that she had just made for, I don't know, for a year or whatever, that tree right there, that's going to be the one. God was like, no, I don't think so. So we laughed. And everybody I've ever told, especially survivors, laughed. It was like, God is so good. Just like beep, beep. I don't know. I'll always appreciate that story. So to all of you out there, God hears what you say, and then he cares, and he will step step in for you. But anyway, I needed to say that because that was like a really great God saving somebody story, and, and also a great way that God showed her that he loved her. Um, so in terms of hurting yourself, um, <laughs> for me, um, I mean, there have been times I have hit myself in the head. Um, there have been times I've wanted to completely like destroy myself. Thankfully, I haven't, and um, I hope it doesn't happen. Um, but I've had the strong inclinations, and also suicide um, has been something that has plagued me for years now. I have not had a suicide attempt, but like I said, I always thought before I didn't understand it. Now I really, really get it, and the deeper I get into my you know, process, the closer those things come. There have been a few moments where I frightened myself where I thought, okay, um, <clears throat> if this goes any further, I'm going to have a problem because usually the thing that always stops me is, well, what about the people I love, you know, or what if I go to hell? And once I no longer worry about the people I love and I'm no longer worried about hell, then I know I'm in bad shape, you know, and thankfully I have people around me I can reach out to. But, you know, for me, it becomes punishment, and so... Um, usually if it comes to a point where suicide is, is on my mind, it's very brutal and it's awful. And the thought is you deserve this. This is what you get. And, and there's demonic voices in there, but there's also my own. You earned this. Like, you know, I want to suffer big. I don't want to go easy. You know, this is what you get. I mean, so much self-hatred and rejection, and it's just absolutely horrible. And um, so I want to say to all you other people out there who have struggled, I want you to know that I care and that um, there is hope. I also want to say, which is really interesting, I have a lot of faith to pray against suicide. It was pretty cool because this one friend I just mentioned, PJ, who was, you know, suicidal tons back in her 20s when I was in my 20s. And I remember one time I was praying for her. And she lived in Canada and I lived in the U.S. So, you know, we weren't even in the same country. And I was praying for her. She called me on the phone. And she said, stop praying for me. And I was like, whoa. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to. I was like, wow, I felt empowered. And I can't tell you how many times I prayed for her 
and the Lord delivered her where she was at a moment where things could have really went south. And so um, I just want you to know that the Lord does hear your prayer, uh, not only for yourself, but he hears your prayers for your loved ones because she did not know. I She couldn't have known, but it was the Lord, and that was like a, a demonic spirit manifesting and calling me. And I was like, wow, it's working because if, if this demonic spirit's going to manifest enough to call me to tell me to stop, then I'm actually getting somewhere here. So I just want to encourage everyone to pray and the Lord hears you and he cares. Um, did I get off subject, Daniel, or did I stay on subject? You're doing fine, Nikki, because we're talking about self-harm and you drifted right into suicide, which I mean, it, it's it's om, it, it's a very similar conversation, and you brought up some really great points as well. Look, God cares, and these are these are things that can be conquested in prayer, in a journey of inner healing, and in a journey of self deliverance. Um, these are not insurmountable walls that are guaranteed to be there for the rest of one's life. There are solutions in Christ Jesus for self-harm, for suicidal ideation, going back to addiction, that too. And like you said, um, there are uh, sometimes uh, altars that just carry this or are attached to demons that are totally identified by this area of activity demons of suicide demons of self-harm and 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 they have been linked to a, a associated part of a person sometimes like you said also it's a fragment and it's set there like a booby trap so that when a certain memory is recovered or a certain person is is, is met or a, even a certain tone comes over a phone or something like it triggers that booby trap and a person is immediately flung into horrible suicidal ideation or um, almost uh, irrepressible desire for self-harm um, and you know there's a solution for that in Christ too and, and I'm going to give it to you when you are dealing with a person that has had a, a booby trap set off, which can manifest as a, as a fragment that's maybe not even a fully a developed alter personality, but just a fragment of consciousness that carries that program, um, you can speak right now in the name of Jesus Christ, I disarm, disable, and put to sleep all booby traps that have been set off all um, bombs all trip wires and all programs that have been set in motion in order to cause this person to desire self-harm or express suicidal ideation um, that prayer in jesus name will often shut it down yeah that's good daniel and if I'm not interrupting you, I wanted to um, interject something else. I know I did kind of get on the suicide thing, which obviously shows that's one of my personal struggles, which just to let you guys know I am not going to kill myself. That is not part of my destiny with the Lord, so that's just not going to happen. And so I just want to put that out there, that I have a purpose in this life, and I am seeing it through. But um, in terms of the self-harm, um, you know, sometimes the pain inside is so great that you can't express it. 
And so if one hurts themselves, maybe they see, you know, blood or bruising or whatever, it's an expression of what can't come out on the inside. So if someone sees them, I mean, they're, you know, I'm sure we all have seen someone at some point in a store or something and they have like, you know, cuts all over their scars and, you know, it's really a statement. It's about being seen and like, you know, people just want to be seen and they want to be heard. And so sometimes, you know, there just aren't words to express the amount of pain that someone feels. And, but if they can put a permanent mark there, um, that saying, this is my truth. And of course the truth can be a lie that, you know, because part of the truth is who you are is, you know, broken and unfixable. That's a lie. Uh, the truth can, there's, but the truth part of it can be my pain is so great I can't find words for it, and that's the truth. We see it in tattoos on people, too. You wonder, what in the world is that about? I mean, that's obviously a reflection, too, of what's going on on the inside. But um, what you said was really good, Daniel, about the prayer and taking a stand on that. Um, and Because anger um, is a big deal, and um, there's a lot of anger and rage with um, trauma um, and it really um, is an expression of other emotions that's a secondary emotion anger is a secondary emotion so you know there may be injustice so we feel mm-hmm. enraged or angry mm-hmm. there may be um, you know pain and the pain is too great so we feel angry and so really self-harm is a real expression of anger and um, so you know, I just wanted to, you know, say that, well, you know, as well. No, and, and, and thank you, Nikki, for being, so, I mean, you're, you're just uh, really being open and honest and real. And I know that everybody that listens to this program is going to so identify with the openness and honesty that you're exhibiting because you're making room, Nikki. You're making room for people right now. You're, you're making room for people that have struggled quietly, um, that have been silent. You're making room for them and giving them a context with which to say, you know what? Jesus Jesus does have a place for me. He does have a plan for me. Um, he's not out of resources that are capable of helping me. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's really what we're after bride ministries is connecting people to the reality that Jesus Christ is your advocate and he does have wisdom and revelation to help people overcome no matter how deep their problems have gone. And and so, um, but you know, you're doing a really great job, Nikki, of just creating space for people with your conversation, with your honesty. And, you know, I want to, um, kind of, take a moment now and and drift into a bit of a different direction Um, based on something that we dealt with more recently. And, you know, this is going to sound kind of strange to some people, but what I have found is that this bloodline thing is very, very significant. And the, the thing about people that are born into bloodlines that have significant occult power is that the blood contains the bondages and um, mm-hmm. the genetics of those that are born into that bloodline contain the back doors and access points because 
the heavenly powers that have covenants and rights and permissions granted to them by ancestors within these families look at the offspring in these families as their property which is why there are plenty of people that come through to bride ministries and say we've said every deliverance prayer there is and there is no breakthrough in my life and part of the problem is that well you haven't addressed the genetic and the blood component of the bondage you've just been repenting of you know uh, you know anger and pride and jealousy and you know getting through doing self-deliverance on this level and never going quite deeper now earlier we talked about how the nanotech came out and that was triggered by dealing with draconian stuff there was another day nikki where we dealt with reptilian stuff mm-hmm. and um do you I, I mean is that kind of fresh in your mind um shoot um yes and no and i want to make a point you know sometimes you know we can edit some things out when maybe it comes out sideways but i think this is good i this should be left in you know i had a hard time basically retaining everything you just said um i tried really hard to focus and i could probably pretty much not repeat it and so just to let everybody know i think this is important to know when there are things that are said that you know hit really close to home the mind will intentionally like block it and so what daniel just said i held on to very little of it and i'm going what in the world did he just say and how can i even answer what he just said so i mean this is important too as a survivor i feel like this is an interview in my opinion my goal is to let people know what it's really like to be a survivor i mean we share a lot about you know, we do interviews where we talk about um, the victories that we have and the, the good things that happen, and all of those things are really important. But, you know, I think it's important to know what's the nitty-gritty, what happens down at the bottom of the things, not when you're at the mountain and you have the victory, but what's it like every day? And so, you know, it's not uncommon for Daniel have to have to repeat a prayer like three or four times. Can we say that again? Because I have no idea what I just agreed to renounce. Um, and I know it goes that way for other people too. So, um, well, I didn't retain much of what you said. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, folks, <laughs> no, we're still working some things out. But um, there was a day uh, back in September where I, I said, "Look, I've been working on this prayer, and 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 you know what? I'm actually going to be releasing this prayer on the Bride Movement website under Prayer Resources, so you'll be able to find it there. I, I, I've you kind of been holding off on releasing this prayer because I've done a number of refinements to it as I've worked through it with a, a number of survivors. And what I have found is that it's kind of been relevant to every survivor that I work with, Nikki included. And I just call it freedom from reptilian genetics. And this is something that most people would never think is a reason for their problems until they begin to pray. And I'll tell you, uh, and I'm just going to kind of talk through it a little bit, Nikki, and you can jump in when, you know, Sure. You're prompted. But I just kind of came to Nikki. I said, you know, Nikki, I think this is probably relevant to your life. So let's go and pray through this prayer that I've been working on as I've been pulling information here and pulling information there and kind of compiling everything into one place so that if there's any problem with reptilian genetics, we're going to get you free of it. So we begin to work through this prayer. And I'll probably just read it on the air because this is my show and I can. And... Uh, <laughs> 
As you we, do that. I know. <laughs> as we go through Daniel's it. Daniel's ruler, you do that. Oh, man, I'm telling you what. And, and as we as we go through it, uh, Nikki is seeing all kinds of things. And as we get towards the end of the prayer, she sees very clearly that there is an umbilical cord from a reptilian that's actually anchored into one of her parts. Mm-hmm. And... After going through this prayer, there was a, a final step where we had to remove that umbilical cord. And uh, we essentially demanded a harvest of judgment. Uh, and, and that was the final step in separating her from, uh, well, at least the reptilian influence on the level that we were dealing with it at. And I'll tell you what, it was a huge breakthrough at the end of the session. And um, I don't know, Nikki, did you want to say anything or should I just go ahead and... Yeah, no, I felt a lot of freedom when you said that It's because I know you'll remember this, although I don't remember all the details of that particular um, session, although I, I, I do a little, but I wish I remembered more than I did. But um, I know, and I know you remember this, how free I felt that next week and I told you like what a difference it made for my week. Yes. Like it's unbelievable. And those things you cannot deny. So even though it might sound weird to go a reptilian, like, I don't know, you know, we pray through these things and maybe sometimes it's not super clear, but really the proof is in the pudding. And when you pray something like this and you notice that your life just completely turns around, then there's a truth to it. There's something to be had there. And I remember just, I had a huge amount of like freedom. I felt lighter um uh, there was a heaviness that was gone there was a joy that i had and it w- it made a big big difference in my life so if i could say to others you know um if you feel unsure you're like mm, i don't know if i have that pray it and see there's no harm done i mean if you pray it and it doesn't apply okay but if you pray it and it does apply then boy are you going to reap a harvest of like wonderful mm. so one well, folks, this is the prayer that we prayed, and I've prayed it with a number of survivors. And, and, you know, the reality is every survivor I've prayed this with, there has been a marked improvement, a degree of breakthrough that is undeniable, just like Nikki said. And the prayer reads this way. Father in heaven, I come before you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and I renounce my reptilian bloodlines and genetics and markers and the reptilian oversoul in all the powers of darkness associated with this, and serve them a bill of divorce. I pull up the hidden documents detailing every covenant, contract, and oath, entangling me, and command that they be stamped with the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray that your heavenly host would be put on assignment to discover and apprehend every altar that is loyal to the reptilian bloodline, I pray that those parts would be escorted before the throne of the Father in heaven to be purged of their reptilian components and completely healed and delivered. I now deed all territory in me occupied by reptilian genetic code, markers, and blood, and all sentient intelligences along with their agendas over to the kingdom of God, and I invite you, Lord Jesus, to take the throne and to rule over this territory with your rod of iron. In the name of Jesus, I now bind all gatekeepers and discover each and every portal access point associated with reptilian genetics, markers, blood, and all sentient intelligences, along with their agendas, connected realms, timelines, and all associated inheritance. 
I place the blood of Jesus upon every portal access point, and I seal them with the Holy Spirit. I declare that they are put to sleep and permanently deactivated from this day forward. I take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and I cut myself free from all reptilian genetics, markers, and blood, including all sentient intelligences along with their agendas, related realms, timelines, and inheritance in Jesus' name. I return every form of counterfeit inheritance, inclusive of promised wealth, position, status, calling, ability, power, pride, genetic code, seed, and any other form of inheritance in Jesus' name. I refuse it and sever myself from it. And from this day forward, I choose to receive my inheritance in Jesus Christ. My physical children are an inheritance in Jesus Christ, and I receive them and their redemption in Jesus Christ. I renounce all spirit children related to my reptilian bloodline and undo all quantum entanglements involved in their creation. I command their judgment and the purging of the realms they occupy by judgment through living water. I now receive a blood transfusion from Jesus Christ. In the process, I declare that all reptilian circuitry, nanotech, backdoors, wires, cables, backup programs, backup power sources, receptors, and eggs are destroyed and that all of their residue is purged with living water. I now take authority over every evil spirit on the inside of me and around me that has been operating due to my reptilian genetic code, markers, assignment, and blood. I declare that you are discovered, apprehended, bound, pierced through, and thrust out of me for judgment. I declare that you are being sent to where the true Lord Jesus Christ sends you. Lastly, I pray that every spiritual object, tattoo, device, label, marker, power source, grid, or branding placed in or around every part of me in order to anchor in my reptilian heritage would be consumed in the holy fire of Jesus Christ and totally dissolved. I close every door known and unknown, seen and unseen, and call them completely sealed in Jesus' name. Amen. Hmm, that's good. You know, Daniel, that was the prayer, I think, that had all the nanotech coming out of my teeth, right? Well, we use a similar one for the draconian bloodline with several significant changes. So I have a okay. prayer for that one too, folks. I, I'm just not quite ready to release that one yet because it's not, uh, well, as straightforward. <laughs> but if we get too many emails, I may post it anyway. Uh, Nikki will let me know. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Nikki, uh, getting free is, is, is a real journey. I, w- I want to ask you this. What makes you choose to stay on the road of healing and and not quit, not throw in the towel? First and foremost, truly, not because it's a religious answer either, is because I really want to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Um, I know that this life, as hard as it is, and it can be really hard, and that goes for everybody. You don't have to be a survivor to know that this world is hard. Um, it is going to pass away. And um, the Lord um, put me in this world with gifts and with a calling, just like he has everyone in this world. And I want to fulfill that. I want to make a difference. And so that makes me want to charge ahead because um, I really want to fulfill my purpose. I want to finish this race. I don't want to crawl. I'm tired of crawling. I don't want to walk. I actually want to run. And so I want to get up. Number two, I want to enjoy this life. Life is a gift. And um, I look at the people around me 
and there are people that have really active lives, and my life has become rather small. Um, I used to do a lot more things in terms of, you know, hobbies and whatever, and I found that um, I've made a really small world for myself, and part of that has been to insulate myself. And I'm tired of that. I want justice, and there's a lack of justice in this world, and I want justice, and I feel like justice is um, healing. I want that also. I want healing for my family, and so um, I don't care what it costs me. I want the truth. I'm going to speak it, and people can either walk forward with me or they can walk away from me. It's not going to stop me, Um, and if I just hide and stay small, I'm not going to overcome, and the people I love, I won't be of assistance to them. And then also I look at all the hurting and wounded people out there, and we all see them, and we can see the pain. I mean, we go down the street, we see people who are wounded, and I have a lot of compassion just as I think most of us do out there, and I want to be effective. And if I am this broken-down jalopy, I am just – now, you know, God, like he used a donkey, right? So God can use anybody. So, And praise God he has used me in in some ways even in spite of myself, but – um, I want to be effective, and I want to change this world, and that's what keeps me going. Um, so, yeah, I want justice for myself, and I believe part of that justice is I deserve to be whole. I deserve to have returned to me what has been stolen, which is a lot, and I'm angry about it. And I believe the Lord wants these things returned to me. So I am on a quest to recover what the enemy has stolen. So justice makes me want to move forward. Wanting justice in other people's lives and to be effective for the kingdom of God causes me to move forward. Um, Just wanting to enjoy life causes me to move forward. I want to go out and do things again. I don't want to feel tired at 730 and lay down. I don't want to, every time someone asks me to go out and do something, go, you know, I don't want to do that. I'm angry about that. I want to live. And um, there isn't such a thing as standing still. Nothing can. And you think about water stagnant, you know, water that doesn't move and stagnant, that gets scummy and crappy and things die and it gets gross. So there really isn't any such thing as standing still. And that goes for any human in any situation. Um, you know, even like our muscles, we sit still, we get atrophy. I mean, there's no such thing. You say, well, I'm not going to build muscle. I'm not going to go to the gym. I'm just going to sit here. Well, sitting there is going to make you atrophy, so you're certainly still moving in a direction. There's no such thing as not moving. So if I decide that I'm not going to push forward with my healing, then I'm just going to go backwards. I don't want to go backwards because, you know, it sucks. So that motivates me. Was that a good answer? I have no idea, but I think that's my, I think that's the truth. <laughs> Nikki, it really is. There, there's no wrong answer. I, I mean, and I think your answer is outstanding. You know, and, and this is the thing. Um, healing is a journey. And some people will stay the course from beginning to end. Um, others do throw in the towel. And I've worked with an, a large number of people um, for an amount of time whether it be a couple months or maybe in some cases well over a year. And then the towel gets thrown in for different reasons and different circumstances. And it's 
so hard to heal. A healing journey is much harder than the journey to brokenness because on the journey to brokenness, you're in a sled going down a hill with no brakes and there's nothing really you can do but just uh, not die. However, the journey to healing is basically climbing the mountain back to Mm -hmm. the top. With two broken legs. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, a a climbing partner or not, you know, and sometimes you Mm -hmm. you are working with somebody and and maybe they don't know everything um, like me. I don't know everything. And so they might not be the uh, most efficient Um, at least at the beginning of your journey, um, in helping you get to the top of that mountain. It's hard. And, you know, you go climbing a mountain, it's, it's every reason in the world to just stop and say, well, this is, this is, this hard. This is exhausting. This is fruitless. I, it's such a big mountain. I, I may never get to the top. And, you know, I just want to encourage you guys that are out there. There are reasons to go another step and to, um, to, to go another day. I encourage every survivor, do not throw in the towel, you know. And if you didn't have any reasons, listen to some of Nikki's reasons. Family, justice, desiring to live again and not be overwhelmed, exhausted. Um, and, and, and to finish the race that God has set before you. So... I think, Nikki, that that's a really, really good note to end this program on. Is there anything else that you wanted to say before we conclude? Yeah, I I really want to thank you, Daniel, for uh, helping me on this course because, you know, like I said, it was either this week or the week before. I was like, am I even a Christian? Like, I didn't even know. I, I wasn't sure. I thought maybe I'm not. And you're like, yes, you are. I'm like, were well, you just saying that to be nice, or do you really mean it? And you're like, no, you really are. I'm like, are you sure? And, um, you know, there are times I do feel like I have two broken legs, and you are so faithful to pull me. And I've told you before, Daniel, even for walking in the mud, even if I'm on my face, keep dragging me. I'll trust the Lord to help me breathe. You know, I, I want to go forward, and I just want to thank you for being faithful. I want to thank you for encouraging me because, you always say the sweetest and kindest things to me, and I actually believe you. And um, it's hard to receive. I think for a lot of us in the world, it's hard to receive. You don't have to be a survivor to find it hard to receive because there's so much self-doubt and so many things in the world that tell us that we're yucky and awful. And um, we all need encouragement. And I think it's really awful when you know someone's telling you something just to be nice, but they don't really believe it. I think that makes you feel worse. It's like, oh, they think I'm horrible, too. They're just trying to be nice. And, you know, with you, Daniel, when you tell me things, I I feel like you really believe it. And that, like, encourages me, too. And so I want to thank you for your faithfulness. And um, I want to thank my friends who stand by me, like my roommate Sally, and even my family that supports me. I'm actually blessed in the sense that my family is walking this journey with me a lot of people you know lose their family and I haven't Um, extended family there are some who have nothing to do with me and some that you know just you know whatever but in terms of my parents and my sister we're on the same page and that's like a huge 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 gift doesn't mean there aren't issues or anger or things that we work through but we talk openly and I'm really blessed for that but Daniel, thank you for walking this mountain. 
I, I can't tell you how grateful I am because if you didn't, I, I couldn't climb it myself. I'd give up. You know, I would park myself. This is what I would do. Everybody, I'm just going to be straight up honest. I would find some little cliff, you know, in the mountain, sit there, and I'd find like the bottle of, you know, brandy or whatever it is that's supposed to keep you warm. I'd sit there and I'd drink all that and sit there and think, I'm just going to get drunk on the side of this mountain and freeze to death and die because at least I'll feel warm while I'm dying and at least I'm going to go out feeling happy. And that's probably what I would do. I'm just being honest. So praise God for my friends that help me stand up and keep walking and don't let me just sit down in some cave and just, you know, allow myself to go into oblivion. So, and I and praise God, thank you, Jesus, for staying with me. And, and, and I mean that with all my heart. Wow. Well, thank you, Nikki. You are a champion. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, folks, that, that that's it for this program this week. I'm, I'm just going to remind you guys that are out there, like Bride Ministries, we are committed to creating solutions for survivors. Um, we are underwriting the help of a, a number of survivors. Um, Nikki is one of the people that those of you that support this ministry is benefiting. Not only actually does she get help, um, she also gets a paycheck because she is um, basically my executive assistant almost full time. And so that's her job. And uh, man, you know, your guys' faithfulness to Bride Ministries has brought Nikki along quite a bit. And I just want to say thank you to all of our supporters, you know, on behalf of all the survivors that are getting helped and all the survivors that will be helped. You know, right now we are looking at how we're going to create this DID coaching school. It's going to cost quite a bit. Um, and we're beginning to save um, so that we can launch this just like we launched the Fireplace Church debt free. And so with that said, um, I'm closing this program out. Thank you, Nikki, for joining me and for the rest of you. God bless and Godspeed. Discovering the Truth with Dan DeBall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www. .bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us, access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.